Hello and good morning to those of you that are connecting with us online. Welcome to those of you that are watching from the chapel at the Golden Valley campus and to those of you that are watching from the Minnetonka campus. We hope that you are having a wonderful start to your Sunday so far. My name is Greg Stevenson and I serve as the campus pastor of Calvary's uh, Minnetonka campus. And I have been serving roughly in this role for one year now. And I can tell you firsthand that I have seen the fruit that is being produced through so many of you that continue to support Calvary's mission. Because so many of you continue to, to partner with us through your financial giving, we have been able to stretch out and reach out to new communities and share with them the gospel of Jesus. And if you would like to support that mission and help us with our expansion efforts uh, and bring others into a relationship with Jesus, you can continue to give online at calvary.org as well as provide a financial gift in the box on the way out of your worship space. And thank you so much for your generous support. For those of you that are visiting us for the first time, welcome to Calvary. We have been moving through our August sermon series called Staycation. And our series has been very helpful because it has reminded us, uh, those that believe and follow Jesus, that we don't have to have luggage or passport to be on mission. Yes, mission trips are beneficial, but we have found out that we don't need to go far other than our own backyards in order to minister to those in need. And so we hope that you have enjoyed that and uh, hopefully today is one that will continue to make an impact on your life. So last weekend, my family and a number of other families went up to the Covenant Pines Bible Camp up in McGregor, Minnesota, about two and a half hours north of here. And it was an amazing time. I have a picture for you to highlight some of the faces. No, I did not get the permission. So I do apologize to these families, but we had so much fun. The camp had so many activities ranging from a, a climbing wall, a zip line, giant swing, a rope swing into the lake, a pontoon ride. Yes, we had the banana boat and some of the best food that you could ever have at a camp. And though there were so many fun activities to take part in, there were wonderful moments where I paddled out into the middle of the lake or had coffee in the morning on the lakeshore to spend some quality time with God. And as I look back on the experience, I can tell you that it was one of the highlights of my summer. I spent quality time with my family and friends, as well as got to uh, spend meaningful time with God. Every night we got to look at a sunset just like this. And I just felt like life could not get any better. I felt refreshed. My family was thriving. God and I were clicking. So many good things were, happen, uh, were happening. And I felt like as I left the camp, I felt more ready to give God my all this fall season. I was ready to go. But I share all of this because I think when life is good and we're firing on all cylinders and we get the job we desire or we get our finances where we want them or our kids are finally back in school and we have a little bit more time to ourselves, it's in those moments that we're more willing to live out God's calling in our lives. I believe in our culture, we wanna control every aspect of that. And it's often, we don't do anything until we feel ready or until the disorder in our lives becomes orderly before we step out and give time to God and to others. We tend to wait for that perfect moment before taking a next step towards Jesus and our mission. But the reality is 
we cannot live our lives at summer camp. The stark reality is that our lives are not as pretty as those sunsets at the lake. You lose your job. You have a fight with one of your best friends or a coworker. You find out that your spouse cheats on you. You lose your life savings and a bad investment. You crash your car and you get injured or you get the bad news of a diagnosis of cancer. And in these hard moments, it is difficult to think about serving others. How can I help a family in need when my own family is going through a divorce? How can I donate money to the local food shelf when I can barely afford the food I'm putting on my own table? How can I mentor a teenager at church when my very own teenager doesn't listen to me at home? But I'm here to tell you something that Jesus knew and demonstrated in his life. And that is that one of the greatest impacts we can have could be in our greatest moment of pain. If you forget any part of my message today, remember this, one of the greatest impacts we can have could be in our greatest moment of pain. Emotional pain and heartache is not uncommon to us and it certainly was not uncommon to Jesus. At one point in Jesus's life, he was hit with some terrible news that would tear at the hearts of anyone that experienced it. Jesus had a cousin named John that we know as John the Baptist, and they had a very close bond. In fact, when Jesus and John were, were both in their mother's womb, Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to her sister's house, and scripture tells us that when she stepped in, John leaped for joy in, her mother's, in his mother's belly. Now, I can tell you that when my mother was pregnant with me, my older sister was not leaping for joy, if that gives you any insight to my family. But their families were close. And James and John most likely uh, played together as they grew up. They went to synagogue together to learn about God. They went to Jerusalem together for the big Jewish holidays. But they had more than a family connection. They were connected together by God and their common love for their heavenly father. And in fact, John was called by God and prophesied way before his birth that one day he would be a voice calling in the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord. John's life's work was to tell others about Jesus and that he was the savior of their people. And when it came time for Jesus to be baptized and begin his earthly ministry, John, with his humble heart, baptized his cousin, the son of God. They had a very close and unique relationship. Now, after Jesus's baptism, John went about his ministry telling the world and others that he saw uh, about Jesus being the savior, being the coming Messiah until the day that he was put into prison for speaking out against the king's illegal marriage. And while John was in prison, Jesus and John sent their disciples back and forth to convey messages to one another. And so one day, John's disciples came to Jesus and told him the terrible news that his cousin was dead, that he was beheaded by order of the king. Now imagine what that must have felt like. Jesus lost his cousin, his close friend, his ally, and his partner in ministry. Well, let's read what Jesus's response was. Please feel free to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. 
It's the first book in the New Testament, and we will be diving into chapter 14, starting with verse 13. And this is what it says. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When Jesus heard about his cousin's death, he withdrew to be alone. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us much about what his emotional state was like or what he did in the boat while he was in solitude, but I'm reminded that Jesus was God in human form, in human flesh, that the Son of God came and experienced our pains, our struggles, our grief, and sadness. So I believe that Jesus sought solitude because his heart was hurting at the loss of his cousin. I believe he wept. I believe he prayed to God. I believe he had moments of anger at the sin and evil that exists in people's hearts. The one who the world was made through grieved and wanted to be alone. Have you ever experienced grief or sadness and just had this deep desire to seek solitude? Have you lost someone in your life making you feel alone? When life throws us a curveball and we experience terrible news, like the news of a cancer diagnosis or the news of our spouse leaving us or the news that we're losing our job, like God, we have moments of grief and sadness. A friend of mine and his wife had their firstborn son in December of 2018. When their son Bryce was roughly about nine months old, he started to experience an illness. And after in, being in and out of clinics and hospitals and doctor visits, Bryce was diagnosed with an extremely rare brain tumor. And when they sat down with the doctor and they looked at the year-long treatment, they looked at all that Bryce would have to go through with hospital visits, surgeries, chemotherapy for a, a baby that's not even one year old yet, that they had times where they needed to stop and step away and be alone. There were times that my friend turned off his phone because he needed to separate himself from the world. At times, he and his wife wanted to shut people off to spend time with their son. Now, being a Christian does not isolate us from pain, from grief and misfortune. The inevitable, and the inevitable pain that every believer will face one day requires faith and perseverance to do the hard work of grieving and healing. And solitude can be a part of that process. My friend once said about his son's battle, he said, I have realized something in this battle. Some days it's not about winning or losing. It's about survival or making it through the day. And Jesus shows us that it is okay to grieve and to be alone at times. However, in Jesus' attempt to be alone about, uh, after hearing about his cousin's death, something happened that shows us, shows us very much what God's heart is like. As we continue through verse 14, it says, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So as Jesus is mourning the loss of his cousin, people approached him from all around, begging and pleading that he heal their children 
and healed their family members. The people following him did not relent and they continued to trail him on land. The swarms of people either didn't hear about his cousin's death or care that Jesus was grieving. But regardless of what the people's needs were, and despite his own pain, Jesus had compassion on the large crowd and healed their sick. In the midst of his grief, Jesus served his community. He turned his pain and grief into another person's blessing and miracle. Jesus knew that one of the greatest impacts that we could have could be in our greatest moment of pain. But it doesn't stop there. We pick back up in verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now what's amazing about this part of Jesus' story is that he had a way out from getting more involved. His heart is broken. He's probably exhausted. And looking at this from the outside like his disciples, we also might tell Jesus to take some time for yourself. Certainly the people there needed to go home. They needed to get dinner. They needed to eat. And it was the perfect time to part ways and call it a night. And in our own lives, we might remember a time like that where we weren't quite in the mood or in the emotional state to help someone. And we had an excuse to not get involved. Maybe we had a fight with our spouse one night and the last thing that we wanted to do was to serve at Feed My Starving Children that evening. Maybe we lost somebody in our family, but yet our neighbor is struggling with his job and asks us to have coffee, but that is the last thing on our mind. Maybe our child is struggling to live with a brain tumor, but we also know that there are other parents struggling through their own child's illnesses. In life, we will have many ways out from serving God and from serving our community. We don't need to go far to find a reason to shut ourselves up into a dark place as we grieve and say no to others in need, especially when we feel our lives are messy enough and are hard enough. But remember the main point that Jesus teaches us. One of the greatest impacts that we could have could be in our greatest moment of pain. Now Jesus had an excuse and a reason to stop and the disciples were ready to shoot people back to their homes. But instead Jesus again showed compassion on them in the midst of his own pain. And we continue to read. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. One of the greatest impacts we can have could be in our greatest moment of pain. In his time of grief, Jesus served the community and over 5,000 people experienced a miracle. 
Jesus knew that we are never on vacation from our mission. Even though experiencing the pain and heartache of losing a friend and family member and having a way out, he served people around him. Thousands of people witnessed a miracle. Thousands of people that night went home and told others about Jesus and what godly godly love looks like. Now, Bryce battled for seven months and he passed away in April of 2020 at 17 months old. My friend and his wife grieved and they prayed and they wrestled with God and had every reason to shut themselves off from the world. Nobody would have blamed them if they got on a boat and sailed off into their solitude with their grief, just like Jesus did. But what amazed me is I'm listening to my friend's story that during the seven months being in and out of hospitals, He said that he felt the need to use that experience in order to help others struggling in life. Like Jesus, my friend found ways to point people to God in the midst of his own pain. My friend continued to try to help people that were going through tough times, even though his son was dying. He ministered to others and was there for other parents in the hospitals when their kids were struggling with their illness. He told me that one day a nurse came into the room and told him and his wife that they were different from the other parents. My friend Chris asked, well, what do you mean by that statement? And the nurse responded, well, even though you're going through so much pain right now, you have joy and you're bringing joy to others that you encounter. My friend said to me that you can have pain for the sake of pain, but God wants to turn your pain and grief into someone else's blessing. My friend, though hurting and grieving, still served his community. Jesus, though hurting and grieving over the loss of his beloved cousin, still served his community. It's like what Paul says in his letter to the Roman church. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. As we grieve and mourn and work through hard times that we all go through, be open to allowing those experiences to be used to glorify God. God doesn't want us to experience pain, but he wants us to lean into him in those painful moments and to minister to others that may be experiencing similar pain themselves. People that could use an encouraging word, people that need to see someone like you and like me and know that they are not alone. People that need to know who it is that we cling on to in those hard, troubling times. One of Calvary's values is that no person is left alone. It's a statement that we as God's church try to live up to knowing that there are people out there and that there are people in here that are grieving and need someone to walk with. We see Jesus time and time again show us that being in a community and having people there to pray with you, to live life with you, to take care of you, to walk with you through life's low points is needed. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Being a follower of Jesus and a member of his church means we are always on mission, regardless of what life throws our way. 
Because we live in a fallen world, we experience grief and pain in every neighborhood, in every church, and in every family. Death, addiction, depression, poverty, and abuse exist in every community, including the faith community. But in that loneliness, darkness, and pain we're experiencing, God is with us. And God wants to pull us out of that and use that experience to draw others closer to him. So what are you going through right now that God can use in order to minister to others that are in pain and that are grieving? You may be grieving or experiencing sadness due to any number of challenges that we experience in our life. But in the midst of your pain, can you serve others? What friend, neighbor, family member, coworker, teenager, or acquaintance could use an encouraging word at this moment in their life? Don't wait until you get life under control to start serving. Don't wait for your financial situation to get where you want it to be before you give. And don't wait for the perfect moment before you step out and put your trust in Jesus. And remember, one of the greatest impacts we can have could be in our greatest moment of pain. Please pray with me. God in heaven, Lord, pain is a part of our world. It was not by your design, but it exists nonetheless. It is something that we all go through in various forms at various times in our lives. It hurts. Sadness and grief is nothing that we aspire to, but it's there and we have to find ways to work through it. But God, in those low moments, in those tough moments, we are so thankful for you that you have not left us, that you are present in that pain. And God, it's in those moments where we feel lost that others need our encouragement. Holy Spirit, we ask that you work through us in the moments where we tend to want to draw away and seek solitude. We ask that you encourage us to step out and to find others and to be available to others that need us to walk with them, to know that they are not alone. God, we know that we're not exempt from pain. Following you is a blessing. It's something we aspire to. But we thank you for being with us during the painful moments. And we ask that you encourage us to be on mission in the midst of that pain. Thank you, God. Bless us and be with us as we move forward. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.